the highest level of, of, to me, the highest level of compliment is when you forget that there aren't, that there are kids on the stage, right? Like that wasn't, that wasn't youth worship. That was worship that happened to be done by kids under 18. So I am so excited about just the, the, all of the rich of talent. I mean, the embarrassment of talent we have in our younger ages. It's just kind of awesome. Um, so, so excited. Thank you guys for sharing your gifts. Um, but to continue in that, uh, we're doing our, our parable for this week. Is a, 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 it's a weird one. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Last week, uh, it was a familiar parable, and we ended up at a place I didn't expect. If you remember that, we talked um, about a parable that I thought when, I, when we first start out, when you first hear it, you think it, the point of it's this and it's that. This, the, the parable, the story Jesus tells that we're going to look at this week isn't that. This is one when, from the beginning, when you read the parable, you just kind of go, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. So... Um, to kind of help us with this, I, I thought since we have some, some kids in the building, I thought we, we would maybe um, act it out a bit just to give us a flavor of what this, the, the, the story is, and then we'll kind of dig into it and, and find what the Lord has for us in this story. But um, to do this, I'm going to need, let's see, I need four volunteers of people under the age of 18. I see that hand in the back. Come on. All right. Uh, any, anybody else? Oh, there's one. Come on up. There's one. Yay. Of course, to get the, the brave ones. That's awesome. I need two more. I'm going to start picking people. Hey, awesome. Perfect. All right. Cool. Thank you, guys. Um, well, let's, let's do this. This real quick. Okay, before we get going too much, what's your name? Gacy. <laughs> what's your name? Leonard. Say it again. Leonard. What's your name? Liana. Liana. And what's your name? Leah. Leah. Let's give him a hand. So these are going to be our, our actors today. Guys, don't worry, you don't need to know the lines. Um, we're going to kind of do a little exercise. This is going to be kind of like, um, you're going to be my human puppets, if that's okay. So basically, I'm going to tell you where to stand, and when I put my hand on you, just mouth the words. Pretend like you're talking, okay? And I will be the, the words for you, but first we need to, we need to get into our characters. Um, you know, got to have, gotta have characters. Okay, let's see. Leonard, you're going to be... You stay right there. If you two girls will come over here, excellent. All right, so first character. Here, hold these. You are going to be a wheat farmer. You are the wheat farmer. You have lots of wheat that uh, commercial farmer. You're like, a, you're doing well. You're like, I don't know. I don't know any famous wheat farmers, but you are, you're the famous wheat farmer, okay? Leah, you sell olive oil. Careful, it's heavy. All right. And not just any olive oil. You sell great olive oil. You sell a lot of olive oil. So you are our olive oil salesman. All right. 
Now, Leonard, you... That's what I'm talking about. Now, Leonard is going to be our slick steward. Looking good, man. He is our, our slick steward. And my beautiful Gracie, in case you didn't know anybody, this is my daughter, Gracie. <laughs> so Gracie is going to play, be playing the role of the boss, okay? She is the, the landowner. She is the landowner. All right. Okay, so we've got our, our, our landowner, we've got our slick manager that works for the landowner, and then we've got two farmers that are like commercial farmers that contract with the landowner, okay? She owns the land, they lease the land from, from Gracie the Tycoon, right? Um, they rent the land from her and produce their crops, and then they pay back out of their crops, you know, payment for the land. Leonard is in charge of all of that. That's his job. He runs the books, he takes the payments, all of that stuff. Problem is, Leonard is a crook. <laughs> so one day, Boss Gracie here discovers it and calls Leonard into his office. So say, Leonard, Okay, <laughs> she's just gonna stand there. So she calls Leonard into her office. Leonard, stand over here. All right, and then boss is gonna look at Leonard and says, "Leonard, you're fired. <laughs> you are fired." So, Le so the boss fires Leonard. Right? Okay, this is, this is the actual parable. I'm not making this up. So the boss fires Leonard, and Leonard thinks to himself. He says, "Self." Yes. So you just, you just live. Self, I don't know what I'm going to do. I am uh, too proud to beg for money, and I'm not big and strong enough to dig ditches or do any real manual work. So what am I going to do? I just lost my job. No one's going to hire me after this because they're going to know I'm a crook. And so he thinks about it, he thinks about it, and he comes up with a brilliant plan. And he says, I know what I'll do. And so Leonard comes over here, and he calls on some of the the contract, people that have been leasing land that he's been in charge of, that he's been embezzling money from, from the boss, this is what got him fired, right? And so he calls on the, the wheat farmer. So wheat farmer come over, and he asked, he asked the wheat farmer, how much, how much do you owe, do I owe, or do you owe the, the landowner? And the wheat farmer says, says like $120,000. She owes out of this year's... <laughs> She's never had a mortgage before, apparently. Uh, she was 120 grand. And so, so Leonard looks at her and hands her a receipt and says, here, quick, sign this, and I'm cutting your debt in half. You now only owe $60,000. Quick, get out of here. Go, go, go. Then he calls in the olive, the olive farmer. Olive farmer, come on. And he says, olive farmer, how much do you owe the boss? And the olive farmer says, I owe about 120 grand. And Leonard says, all right, tell you what, take this, sign this real quick. Okay, now you only owe 60. Shh, go, 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 go. Okay, so she runs off. Now we have Leonard. What, 
he has just scammed another 120 grand from his boss. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? What do you think the, at this point, what do you think the story, the moral of where this parable is going to go? If you were writing this parable, right, the landowner is going to find out his evil ways and punish him and get his money back and, well, woe is me. Sorry about that. Um, Here's the problem. That's not at all how the rest of this story goes. This is the hero of the story. You are. You're the bad guy and the hero of this story. So this is where the story takes a crazy left turn. When the boss, so come on over here, the boss finds out what, what was happening over here, what he did, and instead of yelling at the boss and firing him, throwing him in jail, the boss just says, good job. That was beautiful. It was beautiful. Your moves were huge. It was great. And he gets away with it. He gets away with it. But why? What, how is this a parable? How is this teaching us anything? This is the question we have to answer today. And guys, you've been great. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let it never be said. I don't talk, tackle tough political issues here. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this is, the, this is the story we have, my version of it, I guess. Um, so, so what is this all about? What is this, what is this scheme about? Why is, why is this shady business guy, why did Jesus write a story that makes a shady business guy kind of the hero, the guy we're supposed to learn something from or emulate? Well, we got to do a little digging to understand, first, we have to understand the scheme itself. How is this going to work? And in our society, we'd say, this would never work, right? The boss is clearly going to find out. He's going to, he didn't authorize that stuff. The guy was already fired, so it was an illegitimate sale. He would have gotten it back, and he would have thrown the guy in, in jail. But that's not what happened in the context that this story takes place. That's not the way this rolls out. See, Leonard knew he was going to need a job, but when word would get out, he would be unhirable. So at that time, the wealthy, this is the kind of an important historical note. So at that time, it was common for the wealthy um, to at times, especially when things were bad, they would reduce debt to show their greatness. Somebody owes them money, especially if they were ha something happened, you know, a personal tragedy, or maybe there was a famine or something, because to, to, that society was all about your reputation. It was all, all about what people thought of you, right? And so one of the ways that, that wealthy people would kind of show that and build up their reputation is they would reduce the debt of, of, of the people that owed them things, right? And so, so what he does is he cuts their, these other business owners' debts, saving them what would have been like 60, today, my best calculations, $60,000 he eliminates from them. So this is money he's basically embezzled, but he didn't give it to himself, right? He could have just done that thing and kept the money, and he'd been out of job, but he'd had some cash. But what he does is he instead invests that money, he leverages that into um, a friendship. Now he's got two, 
two things happen here. Now he's got two people that are now his friends because he, he was the one that was able to, to finagle their, their debt, you know, reduction. The other thing is he, he, he puts the owner in a very awkward position now. See, news like this would have spread. It would have been the responsibility of the, of the farmers that got the debt reduction it, would have, it was just understood in culture. When that happened to you, your job now was to make sure that everybody in the community knew that your debt got reduced. That was, that was a way you showed gratitude. You let it be known to everybody that this happened so that the landowner would receive the, the praise and the reputation that they were, they were hoping for. So news would have spread and everyone would know the generosity of this landowner. Now the landowner has been put in an awkward choice. Okay? The landowner can either do one of two things. He can either go after the steward, right, and, and demand justice, put him in jail. But in doing so, he's going to have to, one, he's going to have to uh, admit that he's not generous, Right? He's going to have to expose the fact that this wasn't him. And he's going to have to admit that his subordinate out-scammed him. And, just, and he's going to have to go after these people. So not only is he not generous, now he's suing some people of a lower status to get this, to recover this money. All of that would be option A. Or option B, he can just let the steward leave quietly and the owner can keep his reputation. Now, by, in this little scam, it's a genius scam because what it does is it also allows, it also allows the Leonard to get away without having all of his dirty laundry aired. Right? It's not unlike the tricks. We've got plenty of kids in the room. Some of you have done this. If you haven't, I'm going to give you a little trick. If you're a kid and you want, you want your friend to come over after church and you're not sure if your parents are going to say yes, what do you do? You make sure you ask your parents in front of your friend and their parents, <laughs> right? That's how you get it done. Because now there's a dynamic there, and they can't, you know, and they feel the pressure to not, to not be mean and can't reject. They have no problem saying no to you, but now they're saying no to somebody else's kid. That's a lot harder. My house, there we, this worked for a while until Dad imposed a, an automatic no. He just told us. He said, "Look, <laughs> if you're going to ask me, if you ask me in private, you have a shot." If you, if you do it in public, if you ask me while the person's standing there, the answer is automatically no. Because I was really good at pulling this trick. <laughs> Imagine that. But that's kind of the, the flavor of what this is. He, he, he creates this, uh, Leonard, or the, the steward here, creates this, this dynamic, right? That, that he has to the owner has to choose between two things. And um, now... We would expect at the end of the story to be one where their master finds a third option, right? And punishes both the steward and is able to save face. But as I mentioned earlier, that's not where this story goes. 
The biggest left turn of any of Jesus' stories, I think, is this one, where we find Jesus holding up this tricky steward as the example, as the person we can learn from. And we see, we see that in the conclusion of the story. Um, we find this story, I probably didn't even say the reference before. You find this story in Luke 16. Um, he's telling the story, and at the end of the story, start in verse 8, says, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And then he, Jesus says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their dealings with their own generation than the sons of light. So he commends the, the shrewdness of this manager in the story. He's not, now listen, he's not complimenting the dishonesty. He's not justifying or saying that it's okay to, to fool and to steal and to trick people, obviously, all of Scripture would show us that that's not the point he's trying to make. But what is he doing? So he's, he's admiring his level of strategy. The fact that he saw he needed to invest in relationships more than he needed the money. He could have scammed and kept the money for himself. And it, I mean, 60, and if he had just that same amount of money, it's $120,000. That's, you know, you can live on that if, if you need to for a good bit. But instead, this, this manager decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this. I'm going to leverage it to create a relationship to invest in a person so that when I need a job, there's somebody out there that maybe will take me in and hire me. In verse 9, he goes on, he says, and I, the, now the parable's ending and Jesus is, is giving us kind of the, in, the, the, the message behind it. He says, and I tell you, so the lesson is, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, you may, re- you may receive into the eternal dwellings. Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What's he saying there? He's saying make friends by unright- unrighteous wealth. Isn't, is, he's not saying ill-gotten gains. That's not what that phrase means. It just means earthly resources. It means money. It means your talents. It means, it means your stuff you have here. Your, your earthly resources. Make friends by means of these so that, so that when it fails, because he's not saying that He's not saying that these are the the path to salvation. He's saying they're going to fail. When it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. I thought we were talking about earthly stuff. Well, yes, that's... And here's we get to the, the real point Jesus is trying to make. Jesus is telling us to use our worldly resources to befriend and influence the world into the kingdom of God. He's trying to teach us that if we, if we want to be shrewd like this steward, we will spend our things, our time, our energy, our talents, our resources, our effort, that we would stop spending them and start investing them. And investing them into eternity rather than spending them here on earth. What's the difference? We need to start putting more focus on investing versus spending when it comes to our lives. Spending is the exchange of things of similar value in the short term. 
okay? Just a kind of a simple definition for this morning. I spend $5 on lunch. I give somebody five bucks or I give them my card and they take $5 out of my account and I get $5, a $5 meal, right? It's an exchange of things that are arguably equal value, right? I mean, maybe you got a deal, maybe they ripped you off a little bit, maybe it was overpriced, but roughly it's, we're saying that the whole idea is here, we're exchanging things of equal value. I want that and you want this. We're swapping. So we do that every day when we buy our lunch or buy a couch or whatever. Um, we do this relationally. I spend an afternoon with a friend and in exchange for that, I receive connection and, and, and enjoyment and um, I, I get a sense of belonging. Listen, spending isn't wrong. We're not saying don't spend. It's, it's a necessary part of life. But it's the part that comes naturally. We are natural spenders. Some of us, maybe more a little bit than others, but we are, we, spending comes naturally to us. This, and that's okay. It's a, like I said, it's a, it's a part of life. But investing is the exchange of one thing now for something significantly more valuable in the long term. You know, if you, so if I spend $5 on lunch, but if I put $5 into, into a, a, an interest-bearing investment vehicle, 10 years from now, I'll have $10. Right? We understand that's, that's how investment works. I place a kingdom investment in a friend for the afternoon, and in 20 or 80 years or whenever it is, I receive an eternity of rewards for that investment. I didn't just spend time with a person. I invested into eternity through them. Investing is what we need to spend more of our energy on because it's not natural to us. We feel comfortable spending. And it makes sense. There's a lot of things that work against us that, that, that make uh, investing not, not something we just gravitate towards. Uh, it, there's no short-term reward that encourages us to keep it up, you know? Every happy meal my kids extort me into buying comes with a toy. It keeps them coming back for it. Investing, when we invest in something, there, there's no toy with it. There's nothing right now. All I have is five less dollars or one less afternoon. It takes a long time to see any benefit from it. That's the whole idea of investing is we're, we're, we're storing away for future growth, future benefit. On the front end of investing, it just feels like sacrifice because we are. We're, 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 we're giving up something in the short term. We're giving up the, the, the right or the ability to spend that money because we've chosen to invest it. And there's not a lot of personal joy or, or, or we don't get the, the jazz or the feel-goods from that. Especially when we're talking about eternal investing. Sometimes it doesn't always, it doesn't always feel productive. You know? But we can, but we can do it. 
There's, there's people, that's, that's why we come together. That's why we, we have a church is partly because we want to find opportunities to invest into eternity. And there are, there are, we are doing that as a community. I, I can think of several areas. We have a food bank where there are people, we have a group of people that are there every week giving, they're, they're investing their Saturdays and their Fridays and their Monday afternoons at times and whatever they're here Every week, they're exchanging their time for an investment into eternity. We have a teachers. We have youth. We have a youth ministry team and and bunch of teachers that that children's team that that invest downstairs and invest on Thursdays. Do you really think that that? For those of you who have not been involved in all of that, I'll let you in on a little secret. That's not always the funnest job. Wrangling three-year-olds at ten in the morning. That can be exhausting. Trying to keep track of a bunch of middle schoolers on a Thursday night. Or giving up your vacation over the summer so that you can spend that week. You can, well, I should say in the context of this, you can invest that week sleeping on the floor and chasing them around and trying to get them to other food banks and other, other places. Sometimes the payoff's not in it. In the actual action. But those things are opportunities. Those people are investing their lives. They're investing their time. They're investing their talents and their money in places that right now they may not see. I've done youth ministry for years, and just at many, most ministries, I think this is true. You spend a lot of time fighting, you have to spend a lot of time fighting the the belief that what you're doing is is not making any difference at all. That's that's what the enemy wants to convince, because that's how he gets us to stop, right? He discourages us by convincing us that what we're doing is pointless. So we're fighting, these people are fighting those things, those, those, those thoughts in their head and ignoring them, not seeing necessarily any fruit, but they're choosing to invest anyway. And one day, someday, when Jesus comes back or gives them a personal invite, <laughs> nice way of saying dying, um, they're gonna, they are going, they're gonna see a return on that investment. How do we know if we are investing eternally? Some of those examples. You notice some of the examples uh, we talked about could go either way, right? You spend an afternoon with a friend or with someone, someone you know. And that thing, how do we know if that is, how do I know if I'm investing my life or I'm spending it? This is really a really important question that I think we, we don't ask ourselves enough. What parts of my life am I investing into the kingdom of God, into eternity, and what parts of my life am I just spending my life? I don't think that there's a, there's not a, just a cut and dry blank answer for you. Sorry, I, I don't have that this morning. Um, because it's not always 
about the activity itself. It's about the motivation behind the activity. It's about the preparation you had going into the activity. It's about the content of what happens during the activity. Spending an afternoon with a friend, is that spending my life or investing it? Well, it depends. And the only one that can ultimately answer that really is you. But I do want to help as much as I can. So this morning, um, I want to give you uh, five questions that you can ask yourself about any and every part of your life that I believe with the, with the Holy Spirit's help will identify for you, with you, what areas of your life are you spending and what areas of your life are you investing? Okay? Five questions. First one. Um, what are you choosing to do only because Jesus wants you to? Not because you have to. Like, paying taxes doesn't count. You have to do that. <laughs> no. Right? <laughs> like, yes, Jesus says, you know, obey the laws of your government, and so you're doing that, and I, I get all that. But when I say, what are you choosing to do that only because Jesus wants you to do? What is something in your life that you choose to do because you feel compelled that that is what the Lord wants you to do, that Je that's what Jesus wants you to do, but you don't necessarily get any, um, if it was up to you, you wouldn't do it. Maybe that's a good way to put it. That's a good clue that you are investing in that moment because it requires self-sacrifice. Now, your whole life shouldn't feel like that, okay? <laughs> these are not exhaustive questions. You don't need all of these to be right to, to feel like you're investing. There's just kind of several questions. It's a bunch of questions that each one of them can kind of, or a group of them can give you a picture, all right? Our whole life shouldn't feel like we're just doing things that we don't want to do because we're supposed to. I have another message about that. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, what is your why? Why? This is an important question we should always, we should always ask ourselves about the, the things we're doing in life. Why am I doing this? Why am I spending time with this person? Why am I buying this car? Why am I living in this house? Why am I working at this place? Why do I wear these clothes? Why do I spend this much money on this thing? The ability to answer that question alone can revolutionize your life. If you will take the time and develop the ability to be honest enough with yourself to answer that question honestly, and you will apply that to all the different things in your life, you will have, it will be amazing how clear your life will become. So what is your why? And if you're investing eternally or, spe or spending I, I don't think I need to spend a lot of time because I think your answer, in your answer, you will know in your spirit, you will know in your heart whether that answer is an indicator of whether you are spending or investing, right? We know. 
Third question, do you invite Jesus to come along? Is that an active part of your life? Are there areas of your life that you pray and you have an active prayer life where you are, you are conscious and inviting the Spirit of God to come with you and to guide you and to be present? And are there, are there some areas that you don't do that in? This is a, a great question. Let me, or let me ask you, we could ask it another way. Are there, is there anything, what in your life would you be embarrassed to invite Jesus along? That's a good, that can be a good indicator that that thing is probably an area that we are spending, not investing. Number four, can you see where the kingdom of God can be proclaimed or advanced in that activity? Do you see the potential for investment? Maybe another way to say that. In this activity, in this choice, in this, in this way I'm spending my money, in this relationship, can I, can I envision in my head, can I see how the kingdom of God could be advanced in this other person or in the world through this activity? It's a, it's a great question to ask. And if we, we can't come up with an answer, if we have no vision for it, then it, it's not going to happen. Right? And the fifth question, um, what are you expecting the payoff to be? What are you expecting the payoff? And when you do something, when I hang out with this person, when I go to this store, when I go to this place, when I spend my time at work or spend the afternoon with, with, with my kid, whatever it is, what, what is my expectation of the payoff? can tell us a lot about whether we are spending our life or we are investing it. As we ask these questions, we can look at our lives, and some of us, I think, if we're honest, we would say, you know, and I, obviously this is not enough time to do this right now, but I encourage you, take these questions home and spend some more time and reflect on them um, as you do. But there are some of us that would, would look at this and go, man, I, I, if I'm being honest, I, I'm a spendaholic. I am spending, I am spending my life not investing it. And some of us, you know, it's maybe more of a, maybe a little more balanced, but we, there's, always, there's room for improvement. So how do, we, how do we make that shift? How do we change from being spenders to being investors? The good news is, much of our current life, I dare say, most of it can be shifted to spending, from spending to investing. Much of, much I'd say most of what you're doing right now could be either one. The dial can go either way. That's good news. That's good news. That means there's a lot of potential for investing. It's, you know, I, I am not a financial planner by any stretch or, or a business whiz, but, but I know that's what they look for, right? They look for potential. We love that word, right? We're looking for a business with potential. 
Your life has a lot of investing potential. If we will, if we will learn to make the switch, if we can figure out how to switch from spending our lives to investing it. So how do we do that? Well, it's not easy, but it's pretty simple, actually. We, we just change the answers to the questions we just asked. We, we change what those answers are, not just superficially, but in our minds, in our hearts. We, cho- we choose a different answer, and then we live according to that new answer. The answer that we, we wish it was, or we know the answer should be. Or we take the time to come up with it, because a lot of these, I think, as I was doing it in my own life, a lot of them, it's like, you know what, I, I never thought about that. I don't, have a, I don't have a vision for this or that. And in creating an answer, we create potential for investment. We go back through these questions. What is your why? We say, I'm changing my answer. Or I'm going to be intentional about my answer. My answer for my why I do everything is because I want to know Jesus and I want to make him known. Period. And so now that answer now becomes a filter. It becomes a directive. It becomes the way I can now choose and spend, instead of just spending my life, I, if I'm living, through, living out that answer, I'm now investing. So that answer informs what I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Do you invite Jesus to come along? Whatever your answer was, you change that answer. Or you get better at that answer, you, you say, yes. <laughs> I invite Jesus to come along with me every day, every relationship, every, every coffee I go to with a friend. I am, I am working towards being more um, intentional about actually praying and inviting God, inviting Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to be present in that, in that, that meeting where we can be used through us and he can, he can have a voice in what's going on. We invite him to come along. And when we invite him to come along, I promise he does. (laughs) He wants to. He's anxious. He loves riding shotgun. Invite him to come in the car with you. Can you see where the kingdom of God can be proclaimed or advanced? I think this one, um, a lot of times our answer to the reason we answer no when we're honest isn't because the potential's not there. It's just we never, we haven't really, we're so busy. We just haven't taken the time to, to, to think about it or to look with that perspective on our life. In, in the minutia, in the little things, in the, in the, the going to, you know, I, I spend nine de- hours a day in this, this office with these 30 pe- people. How can the kingdom of God be proclaimed in advance by my time in that place? We take the time to examine our activity and look for those potential opportunities. You know, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. It's going through our lives and looking and asking the Holy Spirit to show us the potential. Once we see it, then those things start getting, we, we, we now have 
what, what maybe was kind of just a, a doldrum kind of thing we had to do, now there's, now there's importance to it. Now there's significance in that, that part of our life. Now there's opportunity for, for worship. There's opportunity to actually please God and know that we're pleasing God and depend on him and connect with him and let him show us how to live in that moment. So we need to take time and, and look, for an, look for the answers to this question in all the different areas of our life. What's the opportunity with my kids in that five minutes before I lock their door and turn out the lights? At night, I don't lock my kids in their room. Just <laughs> Nobody call anybody. It was a joke. <laughs> Final question. What are, what are you expecting the payoff to be? What are you expecting the payoff to be? That one day Jesus will able to be able to say, good job on that. Can you imagine what, what our, our life would look like, our, our interactions with people would look like if that question was present in our mind? That in every conversation I have, in every choice of how I spend every dollar, I was conscious and aware that my action in this moment will one day be on a be a topic of conversation between me and Jesus himself. And there's potential in this moment to say something that in 20 years Jesus will literally look at you and go, "Man, that was that was a good choice. Good job. Well done. I know that was hard for you. I know it didn't seem like much at the time, but look, look at all the stuff that happened." Because I think that's a big part of what eternity is going to be. At least I hope so. It's us finding out, Jesus revealing to us the other side of all the great stories that we've lived in our lives. There's a really... As time goes on, the song shifts. When it was written, it was very, very poignant. Now, as time has gone, it's moved over and now it's just very like the cheese factor of the song has elevated so it's not quite so uh not quite so so poignant at the moment you guys remember the song thank you thank you for giving to the lord it's the song about a guy who goes to heaven and 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 the song tells the story about how all the things in his life these little insignificant things that he he did that he invested that that maybe didn't seem like a big deal at the time but he's hearing the story of the rest of the story that he didn't know one day we're all going to stand and have that opportunity and some of us some of us it's going to be a real short meeting unfortunately and some of us and not the people you would think not the i'm not saying not the people you probably not the people you see on tv i'm convinced that the top 20 the top 20 mansions like right next to right next to jesus's or paul's or whatever are going to be people that that have never been written about you don't know who they are moses is going to walk out his door and be like who are you? We can invest in eternity every day. 
When we change our answers to these questions, we move from spenders to investors. And so I encourage you, I urge you to take these questions and spend some time with them this week. Asking them of yourself in the different areas of of, of your life. Um, and in the areas you don't like the answer that you have to give, that's, that's fine. Be honest. That's great. That's an opportunity to change an answer and change your life. We need to move from being spenders to investors. And it's, a lot of it's just a, a, a perspective shift. Um, I don't know if I've told this, this analogy before, but I love it. I have it written, written next to my desk um, in my office. Uh, the choice, someone wrote, the, do you want a question? Do you want to be a hummingbird or a vulture in life? Here's the thing. Both are birds. Both go out. And every day, a vulture finds a dead animal to eat. And every day... A hummingbird finds a flower and some nectar to eat. It's never the other way around. A vulture never accidentally eats a bunch of flowers, and a hummingbird never accidentally eats a dead thing. Why? Because that's not what they were looking for. We find what we are looking for. And, and I guess my, if there's one kind of takeaway is we, let's let, use these questions, spend time with the Lord. Let's start looking for different things because we'll find them. With the Lord's help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I promise you will find them. And speaking of that, there's, there's a group of people that... that um, or have, have a, a, an amazing opportunity for just that, to be investors, that, that, that is happening, actually, well, some of them, it's already started. It's, it's, our, it's our students and our teachers that are going back to school. Lily, if you want to come up, we're going we're gonna to close here in just a minute. But I thought, what better way to kind of end this message than to take a moment and invest some prayer and some intercession for those that are going into that great opportunity. So um, I want to just invite all of the, the students. Um, if you're a student or you are a teacher, um, well, if, actually, if everyone could stand up, we're going to close in just a minute. If you guys want to stand, it'll make this next part easier. Um, I want to invite all the students to come down front. We just want to pray for you. Um, parents, if you want to come with them, that's, that's, you're more than welcome. Teachers, if you're a teacher, feel free to come on down. We know, we know school is, you know, it's easy for it to kind of feel like, oh, no big deal, because it just happens all the time. It's most of our lives, right? But it's, it's important, and it's, 
there's opportunities for the things we've been talking about today, but we also know that it's hard. Some of you, some of you kids are going to go into op, go into classrooms where, you know, you may struggle to, to find a friend, or it may be great, and you may find a bunch of friends, but you're not sure how to act with them. You may have a, a subject that's extra hard this this year. You may have a teacher that's extra hard this year. You teachers, you may have a student that's extra hard this year. Or a principal that's extra hard this year. And so we want to take a moment as a community, if you guys would just join us, we wanna we wanna sing a blessing over this group. That God would give you guys favor, that 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 God would this year would be just an amazing year for you of growth, that you would see opportunities to, to bless his name, but also that you would, you would find favor and you would grow. So we're going we're gonna to sing this chorus. It's called The Blessing. I'm sure most of you guys know it's the bened- benediction. You guys, you'll, if you've never heard the song, you'll catch right on. I want to ask the congregation if you would just join us in singing this song. And if you, even if you're comfortable, just want to reach a hand forward as, as a sign of praying it over these, these teachers and these students. We're going to sing this. And then, and then at the end of the song, I'll, I'll kind of close it out in just a word of prayer over them. So let's let's do that. Face to 
students, I just encourage you to take a look at your church family. If you want to turn around and just look at these people, they're here. These are the people that are supporting you, that are praying for you. They might not walk every day in and out with you, but this is what it is to be church family. This is what it is to be church family, to stand together. Students need the older generations to cover them in prayer. The world that they are facing is not easy. And students, you need to know that you are not alone. You will need to know that you are not alone. No matter what you're faced with in social media, no matter what you're faced with at school and social pressures, you need to know that you are not alone. This entire church has got your back. This entire church has got your back. And every single person in this room, if you're ever struggling with something, if you're ever in need of something, I know that you can go to any single person in this room and they have got your back. They will pray with you. They will take you out for coffee, for lunch. They will listen to you. This is what it means to be church family. We've got each other. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. Let's just sing one more time. The Lord bless you. thank you for, for spiritual family that can support each other. God, we, we bless these students, we bless these teachers in your name, God, that you would, you would walk with them down the halls and in the cafeteria rooms and the gyms and everywhere they go. God, that they would know that they are not alone. God, would you provide for them? Would you, would you direct them? Would you protect them, Jesus? I'd steer them towards the relationships that they, that they need to, to, to make it through this year and away from the ones that, that mean them harm. God, would you give them grace for those around them? God, give them eyes to see their ability, their opportunities to, even now, it doesn't matter how old they are, to start now investing in their eternity. To be Jesus to their friends and their teachers and their students. God, I pray for, for the teachers. God, I pray for health for all of them, that you would protect them, that they would that they would stay healthy and it's crazy illness we got going around, that they would you would watch over them. That they would, they would just have a double portion, an extra amount of peace that would make them stand out, but also stand up. No matter what's going on for, for your truth. Gotta pray wisdom that they would know, see things clearly and know what to do about it in every situation. 
God, we pray against the, the schemes of the, the enemy, the devil. They have, he has no authority in their lives. God, we cancel any of those, any assignment for, for evil. God, we 